Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George and Joe. Joe, we'll start with you. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good, man. Yeah, awesome job. And George, how are you doing today? I've had better days, man. I just saw the Nuggets take a game on the Lakers, but... Got this in five, but just a friendly reminder to anyone listening to this on Anchor, if you want to be interactive with us and include any message or questions that you have, you know, feel free to send that to us on Anchor. We'll see it and we'll put you in the podcast with your voice message. And again, if you're listening to this on any other platform, such as Apple or Spotify, you know, leave us a review. We appreciate anything. Let us know what we're doing good at, what we're not doing good at, and we'll do our best to improve. How are you doing today, Drew? I'm doing pretty good, actually. This is the first time I think you guys have actually asked me how I'm doing. So this is actually pretty fascinating. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, taking it in for all it's worth. All right. Some of today's featured topics include, should the Lakers be scared of their loss to the Nuggets? Are the Las Vegas Raiders going to land a spot in the playoffs? And what has impacted the NFL season more, the virus or all the injuries? Let's dive head first into it here on Highly Contested. We are going to jump right into it. The Los Angeles Lakers and Denver Nuggets played Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals on Tuesday. The Nuggets played like a team down 2-0, desperate but in control of the entire game until the last moments when the Lakers made it a fight at the end. But Jamal Murray was not having it. He sealed the deal for the Nuggets' first victory in the Western Conference Finals. So, George, should the Lakers be scared of their loss to the Nuggets? No, I'm going to say we shouldn't be scared, but we definitely shouldn't take our foot off the gas. We've seen them come back 3-2. So Denver Nuggets, they're not going away unless you put them away. And Jamal Murray was impressive in this game. He had 28 points, 12 assists, and 8 rebounds. And those 12 assists, which were what really impressed me, the fact that he turned into a bigger playmaker and still scored, got his team involved, and you could see that ball moving around. And when the Nuggets get hot and everyone's scoring, they're dangerous because they got really great uh, role players on that team. But... The disappointment for me was Anthony Davis. He only had two rebounds in this game. As a big man, as a good rebounder in this league, you know, two rebounds for a full game isn't acceptable. And like you said, the Nuggets came out hungry. You know, they wanted it. And the Lakers should have came out with that same hunger, if not bigger, because we've seen Nuggets, they're not going away. So they're going to fight until the very last game. And you got to be able to handle that, handle their runs. And Drew, I knew I know you weren't here in this last podcast, but my biggest key for the Nuggets going into this game three was to see them, you know, get a lead early and hold on to it. And that's what they did. They had about a 20 point lead at one point, you know, in that third quarter halftime. 
and they were able to hold on to it and secure this win, although the Lakers did make a run at the fourth quarter, and then Jamal Murray stepped up, and he's big time at the end of these games, and we've noticed that in these playoffs. He hits big shots. He's not scared of taking those big shots, and you know he was definitely the difference maker in this game, but yeah, I mean, it was good to see that they were able to get that 20-point lead and not play from behind because you can't count on that every game. And that's what the one of the points I was making in the last podcast was you can't rely on making a comeback every game. At some point, you have to play with the lead and you got to hold on to that lead. So, I mean, as a Nuggets, for the Nuggets fans, you know, I'm sure that was great to see. And now they're down 2-1, but that's better than being down 3-0 because no team has ever come back from a 3-0 deficit in the playoffs. What are your thoughts? Joe, what about you? What do you think? I thought the Nuggets did really good. A really good job limiting the rebounds for the Lakers. Uh, The Lakers as a team collected 25 rebounds to the Nuggets 44 rebounds. Almost doubled the amount of boards. Jeremy Grant got into the scoring mix 26 points. This needs to keep happening if the Nuggets want to win the series. The team needs to get other players into the scoring mix because it just can't rely on Murray and Jokic's shoulders. They did a pretty good job today. Glad to see what Game 4 has to offer. So, yes, the Lakers should be scared of the Nuggets because now they have the momentum to move forward in the rest of the series. Yeah, so... You guys make some, you know, you guys make some great points and, you know, I'm going to go to your points, George. So, you know, you mentioned Anthony Davis having two rebounds. And the funny thing about that is he didn't get the first of those two rebounds until four fifty six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Let's, let's, let's look at that for a second. He went 43 minutes and four seconds without getting a single rebound. If I'm a if I'm a betting man, I'm willing to bet that that's the longest streak in his career without recording a rebound. Honestly, if I was a betting man, that's what I would bet. And you yeah, go for it. Sorry. No, yeah, I was just gonna say that this is his lowest rebounds in a playoff game ever. So just to add to what you're saying. Yeah, and you know that stretch, you know, is what really just you know killed it for him. I think and killed it for the Lakers because you know. You're talking about the. You're talking about a guy who was, you know, the, in in a sense, you know, he stepped up for the Lakers in Game Two and helped seal that victory and secure the two zero lead on the Nuggets. And I told you guys, I told you guys that my key for the Lakers was going to be to step harder on their throats if you got them by the throats, and they failed to do so in this game. They. You know, even though they were up 2-0 in the series, they should have acted like they were down 2-0 and they should have played with that intensity. And the thing is, even if, you know, even if the Nuggets lose this next game, this game four, and they're down 3-1 and one again, even if they're down 3-1, and one, they've showed that they can come back from that 3-1 and one deficit multiple times already. And so that's why it is crucial that even though the Lakers are up 3-1, they got to act like they're not up at all. And they got to just seal the deal and, you know, squeeze harder, in my opinion. Yeah, I do agree with that. And, you know, the reason I'm not scared either is 
LeBron James is undefeated when he is up 2-0 in a series. So, and that's what it was before the Tuesday night game. So I'm not worried. You know, I still think the Lakers got this in five, but you know, I was very concerned with the three point shots in this game. You know, the Lakers only shot 23% compared to the 37% from the Nuggets. And this game just looked very sloppy, you know, and then in the run that they made in that fourth quarter was because of Rondo and he was just pestering and, you know, with his hands getting steals. And, you know, that that was the main reason too. those. They were able to get turnovers and score on them. But moving forward, they definitely got to shoot the ball better. They got to get those rebounds. Anthony Davis has to stay aggressive. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, going on to what you said of Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis needs to get the rebounds. He only scored 27 points today, but that's pretty good. But if they want to stay in this series, he needs to score at least high 30s, maybe mid 30s, Uh, high 30s, mid 40s. Not, you know what I'm trying to say? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. He's definitely got to be in the 30 range. What are your thoughts, Drew? Yeah, so just to your point, I, I was going to ask you a question. So you mentioned this game was sloppy. Would you say it was sloppy for both sides, or would you say it was sloppy for just the Lakers? I'd say it was a little sloppy Lakers early on, and then later on in the game it was sloppy you know, for the Nuggets because they were turning it over, although it was because Rondo was pestering them and getting those steals. But it was sloppy on both sides, I'd say. The, uh, the Nuggets were just able to close out with big shots at the end, but it was definitely sloppy on both sides. Mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting how the Nuggets move forward with this victory because, you know, th- this is the team. We, we know what this team is capable of when they're hyped, when they're motivated, you know what I mean? So it'll be interesting moving forward. Uh, let's see how the Lakers respond in game four to that statement win by them. Definitely going to get interesting from here on out, knowing that, you know, the Nuggets have that confidence being able to come back 3-1, and right now it's 2-1. So if they're somehow able to tie up the series, you know, that's definitely not what you want. You do not want them having confidence. And, you know, they felt pretty confident after that game, too, just the way it ended. It was one of those, you know, moral victories, like, yeah, they lost, but it was one of those where they got stops and, you know, AD just ended up hitting that clutch shot, you know, so they felt confident. They came out today and showed what they could do. And, you know, game four is going to be interesting because I feel like Lakers definitely need to win that game, need to be up 3-1. You don't want the Nuggets having that confidence tying the series up. Yeah, and, you know, to your point, I mean, game two was, uh, you know, almost a coin flip. It really was. I mean, it came down it came down to the last shot anthony davis he's got to make that shot otherwise they lose and you know of course he made it and that's awesome uh but you know they could have very easily lost that game and so you know if if he doesn't make that shot then right now the lakers are you know right now the lakers are down 2-1 you know so it would be it's it's all these games are very crucial and so the lakers got to start treating each game with that same fire and intensity that the nuggets have Exactly. All right. Moving on to the NFL. The Las Vegas Raiders opened up their first home game of the season and as a franchise in Las Vegas at their new stadium. They played the New Orleans Saints, who looked hot to start, but sizzled just as quick as the Raiders caught fire. The Raiders would tie the game at halftime and then control the entire second half of the game. So, Joe, it's only natural that we start with you on this one. (laughs) 
Are the Las Vegas Raiders going to land a spot in the playoffs? What the Raiders proved to me that was that they are not going to go down without a fight. The first quarter, they started out real slow, allowing Breeze, Breeze and company move down the field and score a touchdown and a field goal to make it 10-0. The Raiders outscored and outplayed the Saints for the rest of the game. And yes, I know Michael Thomas was out, and but he's but Drew Brees was still a an elite QB and an elite offense, and still has the weapons to move the field. I believe the Raiders can make a playoff push or even battle it out for the division with the Chiefs. The, these next two games against the Patriots and the Bills will be a test on a short week to continue this great offense. So, I believe they could do it. Mm. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah, Joe, quick question for you. You said Drew Brees still looks like he's elite, but to me, he he's looking like he's losing some of that arm strength, some of that zip. Looks like he's having to really muster up to throw that ball the distance. Well, when I say elite, I'm basing it off his whole career. So, but his offense is still good. Okay. Yeah, so back to the Raiders. Um I'm I'm not too sold on them yet. You know, last year they're the 25th ranked against the past. This year they're ranked 29th. So they got a poor secondary. They're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and an interesting young talent in Justin Herbert who you Joe were pretty high on on this last episode and fond of him and his potential, you know, it's, it's up there. He threw for 311 yards, so he could be an interesting player. He is a rookie. So we'll, we'll definitely see ups and downs from him, but in this division to make a playoff run, it's going to be interesting. I don't think they'll win the division. So the question is, can they make the wild card? Uh, they can definitely be in the hunt for the wild card, but with that secondary, and with a lot of these teams being able to throw the ball with elite quarterbacks and elite teams in the AFC, it's going to be hard. Although I will say it got a little easier because they did add an extra playoff spot. So can the Raiders get second in their division? That I think is possible. But to get that seventh playoff spot that they added, that's going to be interesting. What do you think, Drew? Well... You know, the Raiders, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give them the credit that they deserve because they sure as hell look like that they deserve to be in the playoffs through these first two weeks. But the key words in that sentence are through the first two weeks. It is very evident that John Gruden's coaching style is finally rubbing off on his team. Did you know, Joe, that they had the fourth highest point total through two weeks of the, the first two weeks of the season? Did you know that, Joe? Yes, I did. Did you know that only the Packers, the Seahawks, and the Ravens are ahead of them? Did you know it was those three teams that were ahead of them? Yes, I did. And they're keeping up with the big dogs, you know. Let, let's look at the teams that, you know, some of the teams that they're just ahead of, Joe. The Chiefs, the Falcons, the Cowboys, and the New Orleans Saints. They don't have a ton of total yards either. In fact, they're only 18th in total yards, but they protect the football. And that offense has been staying on the field. This past Monday, they were 10 of 17 on third down and 2 of 2 on fourth down. How do you like that, Joe? Hey, I was watching it and I was screaming. I was happy to see how this offense performed when it was performed right. 
And you know, when you when you go when you go 12 of 19 on those essential downs, those third downs and fourth downs, I mean, you know, think about it. They were two of two on fourth down. That's killer. So, you know, this the New Orleans defense, man, they're thinking in their heads like, dude, we stopped them on third down. We can get off the field. They're like, nope, we're staying on the field, and we converted twice on you. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a real vibe killer for any defense. And I want to talk about the man who performed under all those downs to keep his offense on the field. His name is Derek Carr, and I need you to start putting some respect on his name, George. I mentioned that they protect the football. Their only turnover in two games has been the one fumble by Jalen Richard. Derek Carr has not turned the football over once so far. That was my biggest knock on him, whether or not he could protect the football. And through these first two games, he has shown it. Last year, he had a good year, threw for over 4,000 yards, and had his highest average yards per attempt yet at 8.0. So you need to start putting some respect on my boy Carr's name, George. Now, they got a tough set of games ahead of him, ahead of them. Their next four opponents include the Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers. So, hey, they definitely look like contenders for these first two weeks, but we are going to see what they're truly made of after these games, whether or not they're for real. What do you think, Joe? I'm going to go back to your Jalen Richard comment. Uh, he did fumble that ball. The defense stopped him. So, um from the Saints, the Saints offense from scoring, and that very next drive, the Raiders offense came down the field, and Jalen Richard made up for his fumble by scoring that touchdown. Mm. Yeah, and you know, also, guys, let's keep in mind that you know this is John Gruden's been at this for a while too. I mean, it took three years, but I think we're finally seeing the fruits of his labor. There were, you know, there was a lot of criticism that went his way because he played a big part in chipping both Khalil Mack and Amir and Amari Cooper off the team. And I personally believe that he just wanted specific types of players on his team. And I think that Mack and Cooper just didn't fit into his style of coaching. Then you have the Antonio Brown, the Antonio Brown drama, and I believe John Gruden and company dodged the fattest of bullets there. But now I, I think he's got a squad that he wants to uh, that he wants to see win a Super Bowl. And with his creativity at the coaching position, they just might, I mean, they just might win one within, you know, the next seven years that they have him as a coach. Yeah, I totally agree. I I predict a Super Bowl within the next few years of on Gruden's contract. We'll just see if he can get them there. He definitely has the mind, like I said. Yep. George. All right. George, you have any thoughts? Yeah. So when it comes to Derek Carr, he's, I'll put respect on him when he earns it. Right now, he's standing at a middle-of-the-pack kind of quarterback, and he's in a tough division. So, Joe, my question to you, so when it comes to making a playoff, right, here's the teams I'm looking at that I think will be in the playoffs. So I'm looking at the AFC North, right? Okay. And I got the Ravens making it and the Steelers in that division. Then I'm looking at the AFC East, and I think the Bills and the Patriots can make it there. And now I'm looking at the Raiders division with the AFC West. So I, I believe the Chiefs will win that division. And the AFC South, we're talking about the Titans winning that division. So basically, are the cha- are the Raiders able to get second in their division and then be better than the Jaguars, Colts, and Texans? What do you think? I 100% believe they'll be better than those teams. 
Yeah, see, that that's going to be the question there is if they can do that. And, you know, I, I like the Raiders going long term. I, I like how they've been drafting and some of these pieces that they've had. But just for this season alone, I don't know if they'll be able to make that playoff spot. Like I said, I think they'll be in the hunt. You know, long term, I think they'll be good. You know, they got weapons like Josh Jacobs, who's a solid workhorse. They got big baller Waller, who's proven to be one of the top tight ends in the league. And Andrew, I know you brought up this player a little earlier, but, you know, just speaking on the field, could you imagine if they did have Antonio Brown, Joe? He's out there spreading the field, making plays, getting those deep plays, you know, letting the other weapons get easier looks. Definitely uh, missing him. I think, but for the potential, yeah, Antonio Brown, yeah, that that's that's behind us now because we also have a fast star, soon to be star, in Henry Ruggs. He was doubled most of that Saints game. He only got thrown it two times, but they're doubling all the other times because they know he's an offensive threat, and that's what makes Hunter Renfro get catches. Waller get catches, and the other rookie on the other side, Brian Edwards, he got some touches that this game just because Henry Ruggs is in that is that offensive threat that everyone needs to be worried about. Yeah, he's a speedster for sure, but is Derek Carr going to be able to sling that thing downfield? Because we've seen him be more of a short, intermediate passer, Dinkin and Duncan. So. With Ruggs, he's a speedster. He's going to get open downfield because he's going to burn some of these slower people because he's so fast. So is Derek Carr going to be able to get him the ball downfield, Joe? I believe uh, Derek Carr has the arm to give it to him. Andrew, you got any final thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, to touch up on the whole Derek Carr thing, we got to remember, guys, that this this is a guy who, you know, last year he was pressured 124 for 124 of his attempts, okay, he completed 57.3% of those passes, which is pretty good for being pressured, okay? He had five touchdowns, zero interceptions. He threw the ball away only 28 of those times, and his NFL rating was, his passer rating was 88.4 under pressure. That's pretty good, considering that when you are under pressure, those def- those defensive linemen are chasing you down. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, and also don't forget George. I think it was 2016. He was on. He had an MVP type season until he broke his leg against the Colts. That's not too far. That's only four years ago. Yeah, but ever since then he hasn't looked the same, and he hasn't even been in the conversation for MVP. He did so. pretty good last year, though, for uh, his uh, yards and um, touchdowns and completion rating. He did pretty good. So look for a way better season this year. Yeah, well, pretty good doesn't do much. You know, you got to be better than pretty good to make any noise, especially in a division with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I would say pretty good is good. I mean, when we usually when you say you know when you say the term pretty good, it's like, hey, you know, this is this is actually like you know quietly good. You know, like it's it's one of those things that it's not like pizzazzy good, but it's still good. You know. Well, now that they're in Las Vegas, they're going to need some pizzazz. They're going to need some big plays, some pizzazz. And pretty good isn't going to cut it to be pretty good. I'm not sure if they're going to, you know, there, I think Las Vegas has enough pizzazz already by itself. You, you guys know what Gruden represents. You know that he's, you know, the type of coach that he, you know, he doesn't mean funny business. He goes, he goes hard and he wants to win. So oh, on another thought, 
what do you guys think of that stadium with the inside and that torch that got lit up? The Death Star, they're calling it, right, Joe? Yep. That 95-foot 90, torch inside that stadium is pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah, it looked nice. But again, going back to the pretty good, do you want to be pretty good and maybe make the playoffs and get bounced out, or do you want to be excellent and win a championship? Because if we're talking pretty good, then sure, they could do that, but I don't think that's the goals that they have in mind. And, you know, a large part of this has to do, of course, with the, cons- like, you know, the the constant changing in, you know, coaching and offensive coordinators for Derek Carr, I believe. Um, you know, let's, when they had Jack Del Rio, you know, he had, he had an MVP caliber season. And I think he would have won MVP had he not broke his leg because it was, he was winning that race. I know it was a tight race with, um, I forget who won it that year. But, I, th- um, I, I believe it was Carson Wentz. Oh, was it Carson Wentz? I believe no, so. No, I thought Carson, it was Matt Ryan. Uh, Carson Wentz went down early too. I think it was Matt Ryan. I'm not 100 sure, but it was it was a it was a tight race, and Derek Carr was in the lead. And um, I think that he, and I think that if he doesn't get hurt, he wins that. Um, Carson Wentz was in that was in that conversation too, but com- uh, Carson Wentz got hurt earlier. Actually, he got hurt in like I want to say it was like week nine or ten, and uh, Derek Carr got hurt. I think it was week 15, Joe. Right. Yeah, it was against the Colts. But um, going back to the 2016 MVP, it was Matt Ryan. Mm, yeah, okay. So he was he was there in that conversation for sure. And I think that, you know, now that he's had Gruden for, you know, a few years now, I think that now we're finally starting to see, you know, what Derek Carr can truly be capable of. And I think that, you know, he's going to have an even better year, an even better year than last year. And it's definitely going to put him in the top 10 of quarterbacks for sure. Maybe even top five. I mean, we've yet to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Drew, I, I know you alluded to this a little earlier about the tough little stretch that they're going to be going on. I think that's going to prove a lot about these Raiders. You mm-hmm. know, I I think they're going to, you know, going into their bye, I think they're going to go two and five. Like that's what they'll be at when it's their bye. Joe, what do you think? So th- that stretch of games, um, I predict that we're gonna win. I say we're gonna win at least two of them. Let let's let's go let's go down the list real quick. All right, before their bye week. So before their bye week, they got the, so they got the Patriots next game. Joe, what do you think? Patriots is that a win or is that a loss? My heart says they're gonna win it, but. I don't know. I think they they might lose. See, see, you're asking the guy who's talking from his heart. Can't be, you know. This hey, is- <laughs> hey, the, hey, the past two weeks I, I spoke I, from my heart and look at what happened. They won. I'll, I'll tell you right now, Patriots. That's a loss. I, I think it's a loss too. Uh, we're going to talk about Cam in a bit, but he's been looking good. Um, what about the Bills? What do you think about that? Hammer down as a W. Oh, that's, that's, that's a down. loss right there too. Hammer oh, down. Well, oh. you, why are you speaking from the heart? Because you're a Bills fan. I'm not. Or are you st- are you thinking thoroughly? Thoroughly, man. Josh Allen, way more elite than Derek Carr. Okay. <laughs> that defense, way more elite than the Raiders' defense. Okay. The weapons, they way more elite. I'll give, so. you, I'll give you. I'll give you the defense is better, but I mean, all around football team, much better. So that you could chalk that up as another loss. I think, so, I think I think that the Raiders did make a statement though beating the Saints. I'm not sure the Bills would have been able to do the same thing, but 
We'll see. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you know, Joe. You're highly in favor of the Raiders that game. It sounds like George, you're in highly favor of the Bills. <laughs> I, sense, I sense a bet going on right now. We'll see, huh? Maybe definitely. And then the next the next week they play the Chiefs. Right. So that, that's I'm another gonna, loss right there. Yeah, I'm gonna mark that one down as a loss. That, I'm gonna say that's a loss for sure because that's a you know that's a home game for the Chiefs, and we you know even without even without I, actually Joe are they are they gonna have fans. I thought they had fans for like a game or two, right? Chiefs have fans, yes. Oh, okay. They only allowed a certain amount of fans. They only allowed a certain. That's hey, that's better than having no fans, right? Exactly. So I I would chalk that down as a loss, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the win against the Buccaneers. Honestly, yeah, me too. They're just gonna have to watch that Saints film against them because the Saints played really good against the Bucks. So I expect Gruden and company are gonna uh, thoroughly watch that film. And let's be real here. The Buccaneers, they won their game. They played, I believe, the Panthers. And, you know, they won that game. But, I mean, Tom Brady just didn't look good again. You know what I mean? So, we'll see. Yeah, uh, but Chris Godwin was also off that game, an elite wide receiver. So, he should be back off that concussion by this game. If I mean, if one receiver makes makes or break your team, I mean, your team has problems. It didn't break their team. I'm just saying that's one added weapon. Like you said, they, they won. I'm just saying that's one added weapon to their arsenal. All right, yeah, but I I guess what I'm trying to say is he just he didn't look good. You know what I mean? And if if you're if you make you know if you're saying that oh Chris Godwin wasn't there and that's why he didn't look good, well then no, that's not what I said at all. I just said he'll be back. But I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I've learned my lesson, man. I've bet against that guy so many times. Mm-hmm. Want to and... recall one of those bets, George? And have lost, so I think the Bucks will definitely win that game. I I say that one's a win for the Raiders, but then they go and play the Browns, and this I mean, I it just depends on what Browns team you're going to get. Honestly, hammer it down as a W for the Raiders. Yeah, that that's a win for the Raiders. I mean, are you sure though? Like, what what Browns team are we going to see? Are we going to see the Browns team that you know? Are we going to see? Are we going to see the Baker Mayfield that has a chip on his shoulder? Or are we going to see a Baker Mayfield that you know? is kind of is is elated from like maybe a good solid win in the previous week and so he doesn't take this game as seriously as he should we're gonna see a browns qb just like every other browns qb they had i mean we'll see only time will tell uh my prediction for those five games is i say they go I'm going to say they go two and three in those games which would put them at four and three by their bye week so that's my prediction. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's that's a pretty good prediction right there. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is if they do go four and three, I mean, if you look at the next stretch of games that they have after the Browns game, I mean, we're talking, you know, we're talking the bottom of the barrel teams, you know, in the league. They got <laughs> for the rest of their season, you know, they have they have nine more games after that. But for the rest of their season, their, you know, their one solid team that they're going to play is the Chiefs, and that's it. So, yeah, they got that middle stretch that's going to be hard, but the end of their schedule is definitely a lot easier. I agree. Yep. Let's switch gears now and talk about Cam Newton. Cam and the Patriots played against Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night football. Being back in the bright lights did not phase Cam at all as he went and had a stellar performance versus the Seahawks but just came up a bit short on the final play to win the game. So, George, 
Does Cam look like his MVP self? Oh, yeah. And if we're talking about chips on shoulders, Cam Newton has it, and he's carrying that chip, and he is looking like himself. But not just his old self, but for the reason that he's finally healthy. So he's able to be himself. You know, in 2018, he had his shoulder injury, and then 2019, he had his foot injury. So he wasn't able to be himself in those years due to injury, not because he was, you know, falling off a cliff or anything and just losing ability or losing mobility. It was due to injury. Now that he's healthy, we see him looking like himself. And now, not only has he looked good, but he's been able to get more out of these weapons in the Patriots offense. So Julian Edelman had 179 yards with eight catches. Nikhil Harry had eight catches for 72 yards. And he's not in the doghouse anymore like he was with uh, Tom Brady. Cam's been impressive on how he's been able to take control of this locker room as a leader and also on the field. His passing stats, he has a QBR of 73.3. His completion percentage is 68.2%. He's thrown for 397 yards and one touchdown. And his rushing stats are 47 yards and two touchdowns. So he's been looking impressive. How do you guys think he's looking? All right. So I say Cam is starting to look like a like a QB we used to know. That style of play we've seen from him in the uh, beginning years when he was with the Panthers. But Bill Bill Belichick had to uh, um, adapt to his, had to adapt his coaching style around Cam style. And that's pretty impressive to seeing what they have become. Going from a pocket a pass home, pocket passer style playbook uh, to a more mobile style playbook is impressive. So the question was, does Cam look like his old self? I'd say yes. But I'm going to have to give the credit where it's due, and that's Bill Belichick. Because without him, he would either be a free agent or a backup QB somewhere else. So the question is, does Cam look like his MVP self? I'm going to say no. I think he looks better than his MVP self. We're talking about a guy that went 30 for 44 passing, 397 yards, three total touchdowns, and he adds 47 yards rushing to all that. He was the New England offense. I think he's finally gotten the swing of things in New England, and he had a better game on Sunday night than any game he had played during his MVP season. This game was the best game to watch yet. Watching him and Russ play had me, for the first time in my life, cheering for the Patriots and the Seahawks at the same time. Now, going to your point, George, you mentioned that he's finally healthy. I want him to stay healthy, but he's been running the ball a lot, especially in the trenches. Don't you think that at some point that that has to be something they have in their back pocket as opposed to consistently using him as a runner? Yeah, I agree. That's something that he's got to be aware of, but at the same time, at this point in his career, I think I, w- I would hope he knows his limits and when to slide and when to avoid some of those hits or maybe when not to run, you know, especially with his injury history. But he's also trying to prove a point, And Cam Newton is himself when he's able to run the ball. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, and I think, you know, more than anything, this isn't really, you know, like 
this is more of, you know, just like the football fan in me, you know, like I, I really want him to stay healthy and I really want to see him be this consistent player because we know exactly the the kind of talent that this that Cam has. And, you know, he's got the arm, he's got the legs and, you know, I really want all that to stay upright and healthy. So that's the football fan in me talking, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he's himself when he's able to move out of the pocket, make some good runs, extend plays, and then throw it to these receivers or running backs or whoever's making these plays. Like I said, he's been able to get more out of these guys. And I think that's part of it is because he's able to extend these plays and get these guys, you know, longer opportunities to f- get open, to break away from their defenders. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I agree. The, the offense is getting really good, and I predict that it's going to get even better than it has. Mm. Joe, I, uh, I have a question for you, and, yeah. you know, George, I'm going to kind of get your response as well on this one. What did you guys think of the final play uh, and, you know, of – the, the play calling, I guess. Um, that play should have been called. I believe they should have either went, if they would have ran that play, like put a running back on the side of them so you could toss it out or just go for a pass, like um, a motion pass. Either way, that play didn't work. And the off defense read that on like on point. So yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was super predictable. Honestly, what do you think, George? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys on that one. It, it was predictable. Yeah, and I mean, you, you know, you got you to gotta think that, I mean, I don't know. Me, personally, I was thinking, like, they're not going to run the ball with Cam. They're not going to do that. That's That would be, like, stupid predictable. And then, you know, they go and run the ball with Cam. And you could, I mean, you could see all the Seahawks players, like, the the – the split the split millisecond that that ball was hyped they were already sprinting towards cam they all were and i mean come on dude like it, it was just plainly obvious yeah i agree i mean better play calling next time hopefully we're going to keep it in the nfl and discuss the overall impact of the virus versus the impact of injuries Week two seemed to have an abundance of injuries as several big-name players did not walk away from their games healthy. George, what has impacted the NFL 2020 season more, the virus or the injuries? Uh, I'm going to – obviously, it's going to be, you know, both that played a part. I will say the virus more, and not just because of – I haven't really heard of any, you know, big stars contracting the virus itself, but – the virus is why we're in this predicament to start with, right? With the no preseason, with lack of practice, with the lack of OTAs, you know, it's all because of the virus. You know, we they couldn't go because they're avoiding large groups and they were still trying to figure out what was the best way to handle this so that there could be an NFL season. So with all that being said, I mean, it has to be the virus because that's why we're in this predicament to begin with. What are your thoughts? Um, I believe these two, uh, they go together hand in hand because the virus caused the season to have no preseason, no lack of practice, like George says, and OTAs. And basically the preseason is used to get players loose and get warmed up for the regular season. And in week two, 
just think about this. In week two, there was four four players that had ACL tears. Saquon, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, and Cortland Sutton. And also there was only there was one ace uh, Achilles tear in Malik Hooker for the Colts. These are some of the more severe and season ending injuries, as far as we know. So like I said, they go hand in hand with how bad it is. Yeah, the virus has had a strong impact indeed, but to be honest, I believe it's losing a three to one lead to injuries in this case. Let's look at some of the big names in this week's injury report. We got Saquon Barkley, we got Nick Bosa, we got Solomon Thomas, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Christian McCaffrey, and Devontae Adams. And this was just a few names in week two. There were names in week one as well, and there were names in week two that I didn't identify. But the thing is, is that the virus may be the cause of these injuries, but from a, you know, from a football standpoint, a win-loss standpoint, and, you know, a, an impact on, you know, the season standpoint, I got to say that it's injuries because the injuries themselves are what's going to have the bigger impact. Let's, you know, let's look at the NFC champions, the San Francisco 49ers. They're, they're going to lose their playoff contention for not having multiple pieces to their puzzle now. They were the team to beat, and a team didn't even beat them. I mean, injuries did. We have other big names like Saquon. Uh, I'm sorry. We have other big names like Saquon, McCaffrey, and Devontae Hurt, and most people would say that their fantasy team has been heavily impacted on that. Because these injuries are to big player names, the NFL is going to lose a lot of revenue, in my opinion. Just this past Sunday, they were advertising for Jimmy G and the 49ers to take on Saquon and the Giants. And I was shaking my head because they definitely weren't going to be playing that game, the uh, the two players featured, Jimmy G and Saquon. So those are the headline players for their teams, and they won't be on the field. So that's going to prevent certain fans from taking those games seriously. All in all, I think that there was a stronger impact made by injuries because of how it will directly impact the overall season for each individual each individual team. What do you guys think? Yeah, so I agree with what you're saying and how the injuries have impacted these teams. But again, if we again, I mean, the virus didn't cause all of these injuries, and injuries are part of the game. But with without a preseason, there's more. There has to be more injuries just because your body isn't warmed up to the NFL speed, to the NFL reps that you're about to see compared to, you know, like, yeah, these players are not going to play every preseason game or every snap in the preseason, but you take those hits like you would in a football game. You get those reps like you would in a football game and they better help you be in football shape. And, you know, we've seen a lot of other like small ticky tack injuries like hamstrings and quads, you know, that maybe aren't season ending injuries, but they're still injuries that are putting these players out for weeks at a time. And I'm I'm going with this is because of the lack of preseason. And, you know, some of these players might have contracted the virus, you know, before the season, and we don't know how it affected their body, you know, coming into the season. So with all these injuries that we saw, especially in week two, I feel like it has to do with the lack of reps that they had in practice, the lack of reps they had in, because of no preseason, and all that combined caused these injuries. So if we're going to blame the injuries, we got to blame 
the virus I I'm saying, because without all the proper tools to prepare you for the season, now we're seeing all these injuries. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, you know, that's a great, you know, that's a great point. If we're going to blame the injuries, then, you know, we're really blaming the virus is what you're saying. And, and that's hundred percent fair to, uh, to argue, you know, and I'm, you know, I guess my take was more specifically on, you know, the individual teams and the impact on their win loss record and their overall season, whether or not they could, you know, possibly make playoffs and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, if you're looking at it from just an overall like season standpoint, like, like you were saying, yeah, it's impacted. It's, it's, it's impacted because the injuries are a big deal and the injuries are there because of the virus. So great point. Yeah, I mean, and not only that, but it's affected the money coming into the NFL. So no fans or, you know, some fans, you know, for some teams, but basically no fans, you know, the teams are losing all that money and that revenue as well. Yeah, and I think that that is going to be more of like a longer lasting impact as opposed to like an impact for this this season specifically. But um, yeah, I mean, that's in... You know, when we look, you know, if we're looking at, you know, big picture, which is, you know, going to provide a more impact to the NFL overall, it's for sure the virus. Yeah. So let me ask you guys a quick question. So we all know that injuries are inevitable. It's part of the game. And even if we had those four preseason games, you know, injuries would still happen. So would you say that it's better to have these injuries in these meaningful games rather than a meaningless game in the preseason? Not trying to say that injuries are better at any time, but I think you guys kind of get the question I'm trying to ask. Um, I think that the injuries are, they're going to happen regardless, whether you, whether you play in a preseason game, whether you're at OTAs, you know, whether you're at just, you know, practicing, you know, seven on seven drills, 11 on 11 drills at practice or whatever. I mean, these, we've known these injuries to happen from any, you know, situation, you know, take, you know, take Deshaun Watson, for example, he, you know, he messes up his ACL at practice. Jordy Nelson, uh, one year he tours, I can't remember what year it was, but he tore his ACL in a preseason game off of a non-contact, you know, he was just trying to make a cut and, you know, not a single defensive player touched him. He just, tried to make a cut and he immediately fell to the ground. So, um, you know, a lot of injuries in general can be caused by anything, but you know, I believe that it, I believe that if you don't have the practice of getting hit and hitting others, then you, your, your body is a lot less likely to be used to that kind of impact right away. There's a lot, that's a lot of force pound for pound going at you and you going at others. So yeah. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what Drew said. It's I'd rather if there's a preseason, uh, at least the players will get used to being hit at that, whatever force they hit. But yeah, I pretty much agree with what Andrew said. So I think, George, your question was, what would you rather have, right? Would you rather have it be in the regular season or would you rather have it in like a preseason or, or OTAs or something? That was your question, right? Yeah. So to answer your question, if if I was a coach of a team or like an owner of a team, 
then, you know, I would rather have it in the preseason or in practice because in, in OTAs leading up to the season, because then, you know, that gives your team time to find a replacement or it gives, you know, it gives your team that ability to, you know, look around the league and see what's going on, you know, with players at that position, but, um, you know, for possible trades and whatnot. And, you know, you can still get trades during the season up to a certain point up to that trade deadline, but I believe that it would be better to get those injuries ahead of time. If, you know, if we're saying, okay, what's, you know, pick your poison, but what would be worse? I guess. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Drew. Cool. What do you think, George? Um, for that question, I think I'd probably prefer it. I mean, I, I get your point and what you're saying. You know, you're better off preparing for it before the season if it happens before the season. But if we're talking about, like, at least, for example, Saquon Barkley, I mean, he didn't really produce too much in week one. But at least he was able to produce for your team and give your team that chance to win versus, you know, if he wasn't there at all. So I think, you know, if I'm picking my poison, I'd rather have it during the season than before the season. But I mean, like I said, there's no real right answer. You don't want injuries to ever happen. So, right. Yeah. But uh, I, I got something else along the lines with the virus. So the NFL find three coaches for not wearing their their mask on Sunday. So they find the Denver coach, Vic Fangio, the Seattle's coach, Pete Carroll, and San Francisco's coach, Kyle Shanahan. So they find them $100,000 each for not wearing their mask. And then they also find the team's $250,000. And they also might find John Gruden of the Raiders Mm -hmm. and Sean Payton of the saints for that Monday night game, because they weren't wearing their face mask either. Mm. Although Gruden, he did apologize for not wearing his face mask. And he was saying that he was sensitive for not wearing it because he did have the virus. So he was apologizing. Uh, What are your guys thoughts on the NFL finding them? And that's just another reason why I do blame the virus to have a bigger impact. Um, They actually did find Gruden and Peyton. They came out with that today. But I think it they're just doing it to create awareness because they almost out of those the first three or four teams you said that's almost over almost a million dollars that the NFL collected based off of those penalties. So I think they're do, making it that harsh to force people uh, to wear them and for awareness. And if you don't want to wear a mask. Do what um, Andy Reid's been doing, that face shield. I know it looks kind of ugly looking, but at least you don't have to wear a mask and you could actually talk normal into your headset. Yeah, and to your point, Joe, the, you know, (laughs) that whole face mask. I know we, you know, I know we were joking about it and, you know, a lot of social media was joking about the face mask on game one versus the Texans. But, I mean... You know, I would like to see the research on how effective that that type of a mask is. I doubt it's as effective, you know, as a normal mask. But, um, you know, if if that's what if if that's what is concerning for a coach, then, you know, you might want to consider switching to that form of a mask, at least in my opinion. Yeah, George, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about the face shield, 
I think they do the same as the face mask. Actually, they probably do better because it does cover your eyes as well. Um, just, I mean, if someone were to sneeze in your face, you know, your mouth is protected, but your eyes aren't. So the face shield, I would say, is better protection for you. But, I mean, I, yeah, like Joe said, the NFL, I think they're trying to make a statement with this. And, you know, they're taking it serious. They don't want the virus spreading with so many people there. And, you know, there's no bubble, so you can't control where these players, these coaches have gone. So this is one way to protect, and it sends a message. Yeah, and uh, going back to what you said, George, that Gruden did have it, and um, and he did, he really didn't like how the media portrayed it as, oh, when he made that team meeting, like, well, he woke everyone up saying that, oh, it was all fake, it was just a test run, even though during that, when they are saying that, it was actually real, he did have it. Yeah, I mean, and Sean Payne also had it himself. I didn't, I'm not saying he didn't say anything about yeah. that night, but I I didn't hear anything. I did hear John Gruden say something. I'm sure Sean Payne did mention it. I just didn't see it. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're aware of it and they didn't mean to, you know, put people in harm or anything of it. I think it's just something that they're getting used to. And, you know, they're trying to call plays in the heat of battle. So, yeah, they, um, the rules with that is saying you could call your plays with, but you could take your mask off to call plays, but you immediately have to put it back on. But it's hard. Like when you put it back on and you're talking, you're talking for a little bit, calling a play. It's like, you forget that your mask is off. And then when the camera looks at you and the NFL looks at you, Oh, he's not wearing his mask. It's, it's, you have to get, you have to get in rhythm with it, create that as a habit, but it's going to be hard to do it. Cause you're calling plays all the time. I don't, you're calling like so many plays in like 30 minutes. You got, you constantly have to keep taking it off and on, off and on, off and on. You just get tired of it. Yeah, I agree. And if that is an issue for them, you know, go the Andy Reid route, wear a face shield. Make sure you put some defogger on it too. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you need to get used to that, if you need to get used to the idea of putting on a mask and taking it off, well then, I mean, Hey, practice. That's what it's for. Right practice no um but yeah that's what it's that's what it's that's what you use practice for you know what i mean to simulate in-game you know scenarios so why not do the same thing with you know a mask actively you know actively do that during practice so that you can get in that habit for a game it's going to save you it's going to save you 100k every week so yeah there you go all right and joe you had one final thing you wanted to talk about didn't you Yes, I did. And Drew, you know what it is. George, you know what it is. Drew, why don't you, t- why don't you tell them what it is? Uh, we are going to talk about Thursday night football. And Joe's going to give a brief description of what he thinks about Thursday night football, who he thinks going to win, and why. All right, Drew. I know the Jags are your favorite team. On, um, and they're going up against a surprising team that put up a fighting effort against the Bills and the Dolphins. But Drew, I'm gonna. I'm sorry to say this, but I think the Jags are gonna win this one. It's gonna be a close game. I predict it either going by the Jags are gonna win it by two or three points. Joe, <laughs> I don't even want to talk to you right now. All right, so please leave a message after the beep. Hey, dude, that's what I predict. The Jags are winning it by two or three. 
Two or three, huh? Do you have a final score or no? Uh, if I were to put a score on it, I'll say 24 to 21. Mm. All right. Well, we shall see, Joe. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say anything. I, I'm a little superstitious about making predictions before their games, so I'm not gonna say anything about it. But hey, I, I hope you're right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We are gonna post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one.